Welcome back to the Gavel and the Gabble. It's me, Harry, at Windsor Auctions, based in Windsor. And I am joined by... Windsor Auctions, based in Windsor? You're kidding me, Harry. It's me, Simon, at Lime Bay Auctions, based in Devon. How are you, my friend? Based in Lime Bay. <laughs> I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Um, we are having a day of interviewing, are we not? Are we about to start that? Is that what's happening? Is that what we're doing? Is that why I'm here? Simon's diary management, dear listener, is never great. But yes, you are. And Big D sent us lots of WhatsApp messages. I have to say my diary management is fantastic. And I'll tell you why it's fantastic, Harry, because it's always a surprise to me. <laughs> I wake up and, and one surprise after another. And today's surprise, two podcasts in the afternoon, <laughs> uh, which uh, when I mentioned that to my senior management team, i.e. my wife, and she said, no, 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 you're at the school with Max doing a, I said, I am, and that, went, and that went really well. So that was the surprise of my day, which ended quite badly. But anyway, we're here and we are, who are we interviewing first, Harry? I have to say, this is a lot of, uh, this, this is, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, so we are chatting to a lady called Zoe Pogok who runs a company called Muck and Brass. Muck and Brass, yes. And, well, I think she's going to put us to shame. Well, that's not difficult, to be fair. She's very creative, very creative. Well, let's go speak to her now. We are delighted to welcome an extraordinary business lady today. She has, she was a, a landlady of a pub. She's Design Nails for the Stars. She's now Chairman, CEO, Chief Designer, and God knows what, of Muck and Brass. She is an inspiration to the upcycling world, the reuse of all sorts of items. We are delighted to welcome Zoe of Muck and Brass to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, Zoe. <laughs> I love that. How are you, Zoe? How do you feel now? How do you feel now? You feeling good? I feel special, but where was the fanfare and the band? Not a problem, Zoe. We'll have those put in over the top. Thank you. We'll have those. The bed, they'll be in there. Don't you worry. Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the pod. We are delighted that you have taken time out of your busy, busy working day to join us. And uh, for our millions of listeners, could be exaggerated, a smidge there. <laughs> Zoe, for our listener, would you be so kind as to, we all know you from Muck and Brass, we know you from the TV as well, a little bit bitter about that, but we'll go on to that later. <laughs> Give us a bit of background about Muckle Brass and Still Bitter. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. Uh, Zoe, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today, because it's a great story. Do you want me to start the beginning of Muck and Brass or from the pubs? Go back to the pubs, because we all love a pub. Yeah, well, I met my husband. We got married within 12 weeks and then we moved from Brighton to Shropshire and took over his or worked for his parents um, in their pub in Munslow in between Ludlow and Bridge North on the B4368 if anyone wants to go and visit there I don't own it we don't own it anymore but you know it's definitely worth a visit um, we were there for a few years and it was amazing I do miss it um, horses in the garden chickens it was great and it was a great place to bring the kids up um, the schools had like eight children in the whole year. Um, 
so yeah, loved that. And then we moved to Warfield. We took over another pub or helped them run another pub there, his parents. We had a few other pubs. And then that's where things sort of started to change. There was a, a barn opposite the pub. And I used to look at it through the window and it was all like dusty and dirty. And it was like an old 70s hair salon that had been just abandoned. So I contacted the estate that sort of owned most of the properties on this um, little Miss Marple village. And I started to rent it and turned it into the Nail and Beauty Barn, which was a place where you could go to have a, a mini beauty treatment and have a glass of champagne. Because for women, there was nothing really around us. You had to travel quite far and they're normally farmers' wives. And anyway, it did really well. And it was at that point I got Mike involved because the pub was shut between three and seven. So he went on nail courses and he started to do nails in between the pub being shut. Because I don't know if you know about Mike's side either. So I'm going to get, I'm going to go a bit further into him as well. So yeah, we started doing the nails and it got really popular, but the customers almost liked to be booking in with Mike instead of me because he was, you know, six foot heterosexual male doing his nails. Like it was just the best. And he can have a better conversation than me. And that's how his career changed because he started to do I'm doing much more a bridge version, by the way. He started to do nails for magazines, photo shoots. So he's done Adele. He did it for the Grammys, David Beckham, uh, Judy Dench. So that's where all our nail side started to develop. I moved to London uh, and started to work in Charles Worthington doing nails. That's where I come up with the Louboutin manicure. The Louboutin manicure. That's brilliant. The Louboutin. Can't say it. That was, I think, 2007. We were only discussing this last night. Yeah, so me and my husband did nails for photo shoots, ad campaigns. I did Maleficent, the film with Angelina Jolie. Mike did The Iron Lady with uh, Meryl Streep. So he did, yeah, nails in London for a few years. So he's really named low, hasn't he, with the people whose nails <laughs> yeah. he's doing? You've done Dame Judi Dench and Meryl Streep. I know we're going to be talking about what you really do, Muck and Russell. But I mean, yeah, a couple of icons. <laughs> Just no, but they, were, they were Mike's clients. <laughs> my clients, the only client that I just like blew my mind was Barbara Streisand. Oh, wow. Barbara Streisand. Wow. I did her nails. And um, Paul McCartney. <laughs> so they're the two. I, I talk about talking down who you did. Oh, yeah, just did, you know, the most famous rock musician in the world. Yeah. This is quite funny, actually, because Mike is a Beatles fan massively. Um, and he gets quite annoyed with me because I used to do Paul McCartney's. He used to have a nail put on his a guitar playing nail, um, but he used to do his pedicures as well. And I went to like his gig. He did a big gig at the O2, um, traveled with him to do that. Saw him quite a lot. And I just have no interest in the Beatles. And I'm really sorry, but I don't. So I would go to these gigs and I would just be in the green room seeing how much free food I could get. Whereas my husband now is like, I cannot believe you've not even like had deep conversations with Paul McCartney. Why have you never, like, why has it not bothered you? But it didn't. It's like not a thing. I would rather be eating um, <laughs> free stuff. Uh, but yeah, so it's quite funny. It does does uh, make Mike laugh now because, well, it doesn't make him laugh. He's actually quite angry about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, so that was our nails. We did that. Um, I mean, Mike's just retired from nails, actually. So he works, with, we work together now fully on muck and brass. But we started Muck and Brass 10 years ago. We both got made redundant on the same day. And 
I think every time we have a little, I don't know, up and down, like there's a bit of stress, I always go and make something. I'm quite crafty. And so at that time, I started to make things, well, like fiddle about with the house, try and make things look nice. And he said, I've just seen uh, this woman, she puts wallpaper on furniture and she sells them for like £900 in Selfridges. You should do that. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, obviously couldn't do that straight away. But we went out and bought a piece of furniture from a charity shop in Lewisham with like the last cash we had at that time. And I painted it, did it up, put a Fauna Seti wallpaper on the front and it sold that weekend on eBay for like 150 quid. And that was where everything changed. That ka-ching and suddenly we had money and I thought, oh my God, I can do this. I can really do something that brings in cash straight away. So I would take a piece of money out of the sale, buy something else. And then, yeah, and it just slowly progressed. Well, I was on my balcony doing it for a few months. Then it moved to the dining room table. And then we moved to a shop in the high street in Bro- um, on Oak Park. And now we're here, the best workshop in the world. Do you have the shop and the workshop, that's the two things together, or is it all based out of the workshop? No, it's all based out of the workshop now. I don't have the shop. So I am literally just but the street behind my old shop in Honor right. Oak Park. Yeah. Because it just became very difficult. People were coming in and chatting about their cat passing away and like you can't work and, and it was just very difficult and which was nice, but you know, at the same time you can't work when people come in. And also having to be there, like you couldn't go away. You'd have to have someone in the shop. And so as much as I love being front of house in a pub or in a shop, it's just not viable if you want to not take loads of staff on. So, yeah, it's been amazing here, actually. Tell us what's the ethos of Muck and Brass? What's the what's the the vision behind? Because it's I mean, I mean, just uh, well, for for our listeners, you've got to look at some of the socials because probably the best backdrop to any pod we've had is behind Zoe right now. So check that out for a start. And this and actually this is quite a toned down look because I thought I saw some of your podcasts and I saw your vibe. So I thought I don't want to go too mad. So basically, I started Muck and Brass purely upcycling old furniture because it was easily obtainable. It was cheap. It was, yeah, it was just achievable. It wasn't because I was conscious of the planet, to be totally honest. I wasn't upcycling to, you know, stop buying new. It was literally at that time, we had no money. You could buy a really good piece of furniture that no one wanted. um, And that was a great base for making something really cool. And my thing is about turning things into luxury that generally people don't want or are free or looks rubbish. So that's how it's been um, since I started. I obviously have waves of different things that I work on. So at the moment it's toys because I run a toy amnesty. So instead of chucking your toys in the bin, send them to me. I'll give you a voucher for the website and I make art out of toys. So yeah, it just depends what comes my way. And and seriously, go to go to the link in the notes. You've got to go to the website because this Fantastic. stuff is unbelievable. It the stuff made out of toys is unreal. I just love it. I the research for this interview was very very long because you just go, that's so cool and why am I so untalented and couldn't make anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely go down a rabbit hole if you scroll down my Instagram, for for example. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and that's it. So then I, it came to a point about, I think it was about four or five years ago, that I couldn't find 
designed wallpaper that I really liked. Like it was, I was getting bored of other people's wallpaper, putting it on furniture. So I decided to design my own. So that's how the wallpaper started. And I had this idea and how I wanted it with the first design, which is the chimerical design, which is where the sexy legs and the flamingo and the giraffe neck on a, an emu, all those things. But I couldn't paint. Like I, I'm creative, but I couldn't paint for toffee. Like it's horrific. I've tried. So what I did at the beginning was found someone that painted in a style that I wanted. And then I had to sort of use her hands with my brain and we came up with the, what I wanted <laughs> and it worked. Like uh, Laura has had been amazing and she's been amazing up until now, but now I've started to develop and do my own, but I only bring things out when I'm really passionate about a design or a project. So I've got one coming out in a few weeks called Lewis Toil because I'm from Lewis and it is yeah, just beautiful um, hand-drawn pencil drawings of Lewis. So you've got, you have got the kebab shop, Effie's, because if you're from Lewis, that's where you lived at the weekends. Uh, Anne of Cleves, Thomas Paine, Lewis Castle, the very old bookshop at the top of Keir Street. So yeah, I'm very excited about, oh, and obviously Pearl's Pool. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And yeah, so then we got obviously the fabrics and I teach. So at the minute, my passion is to share Try and get people to, you know, find their creative, basically, and find their happy place and make themselves feel good. And I think since since COVID, I realised actually how much people would love or get more enjoyment out of making things. They're just too scared to try or they don't think they've got the materials yeah, yeah. or the money and all of that. Whereas that's where I started. Literally, I did not know you could have a job, make money doing something like this. Like, I didn't think it was possible. So I know how important it is. So I, I wanted to br I wanted to bring something up, uh, Zoe, about you're quite you're very generous with your knowledge and what you've learned. It's not that side of it. The sharing side is not. I'm not saying saying you do it for free, but it's really you really like. Oh, look, follow this link, and you can see how to do this, and this is how you do that. You're very generous with your skill set and to help other people progress their talents which not everybody is like you that's yeah I mean I, it's really I'm really passionate about it as well because so firstly that's how I started muck and brass like helped me through the worst moments of my life when we got made redundant and suddenly we had no money coming in like it's yeah it's like really scary especially two breadwinners in the house the same week it's just like the most scariest thing so I know that what suddenly doing something and making something can make you feel like selling that first piece of furniture I repainted it three times before I delivered it because a I thought it wasn't good enough and b I was like I don't want it even better like I cannot believe someone's invested that 150 pounds um, and when we delivered it funny enough uh, it was a Spanish lady and she was so lovely she invited us in we had beers with her and her boyfriend and it was just like she sort of, I don't know, didn't change my life, but she definitely made me feel so good to carry on thinking this could work and this is where I want to go. So I'm aware how doing something like this can change the way you feel and change your path. And I think lockdown massively showed me. Like I used to teach a lot before and then during lockdown I – started to offer free workshops all every morning at 9am or I did lives on Instagram a bit like Joe Wicks but a lot fatter uh, and less exercise <laughs> um, 
and uh, I was just showing people what they could make with stuff they have laying around the house. Oh, right. I get it. And actually, what I did is made little worksheets that cost £2 that you could buy off the website. So you'd buy them for the next day and it would show you what you'd need and then we could make together. That £2 worksheet kept us going through lockdown. So there there was a, a few things to the whole situation. Firstly, I was helping people take their mind off the whole situation and what we were going through. They were helping me carry on as a business because I, I love this business. I didn't know what we were going to do all of a sudden. Uh, and so this sort of thing, like Mark and Ross sort of changed all through of that. And thirdly, I got a call from the Discovery Channel. You're not going to like this, Simon. Do you want to close your ears? I got a call from the Discovery Channel. Poor Simon and this TV career. It's an absolute disaster. Somebody pick him up. I mean, I'll be jealous but I'll carry his bags. Go on, I, sorry. I am going to revel in Zoe's success. Yeah, let's talk about Zoe's live, success. I am going to live vicariously through but Zoe's... everybody we interview goes, well, Simon, don't, uh, don't listen to this bit. I've had a bit of TV success. Don't, don't worry, worry about it. You know that pilot you did that flopped terribly? Yeah. And, and uh, it, Simon, it Simon, what you should do is take some strength from the fact I've never even been asked to do one, and we work side by side, so it's even worse than I mean, me. between us, absolutely... Sorry, Zoe. I'm seeing your thunder. Let's let's live beautifully and vicariously through Zoe's success. Two middle-aged men in the middle of a breakdown. Zoe, over to you. Tell us all about your TV career. There's a, there's a TV show right there. Zoe, I think I need to make something. Yeah, quickly make something. Um, so what happened next? Oh, yeah, so Discovery Channel contacted me. They'd seen the videos of me doing these lives can we make a TV show? And this is in lockdown, bearing in mind. So obviously TV channels wanted to make shows, but they couldn't because of all the COVID stuff. Um, so they gave me a cameraman and we filmed in my workshop and then we got Sorry. Kate Humble. Sorry, you need to, you need to, <laughs> that's not how it works. That's surely to God. That's all right. Here you go. So here's a cameraman. They're not like Yes, pets. it was. Oh, okay. It was... Go on. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was like a pet. <laughs> Oh, I hadn't, mm-hmm. bear in mind, I'd not seen anyone for months. It was lockdown, remember? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a surprise, you've got a cameraman. <laughs> so I got my own cameraman locked in my workshop. Uh, we got Kate Humble and she was doing little upcycles and building projects on her farm. And then Max McMurdo in his little boat house container thing uh, in Milton Keynes. Um, so it was the three of us, not that we'd ever met at that point. We did the whole TV show, which was amazing. But only one series, unfortunately. Damn that ending of lockdown! See, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that one series. Lockdown yeah. ended. Zoe's TV career. Oh, Get her shut out. That, shut that yeah, one down. Yeah, we're quicker than like COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, sort of muck and brass, sort of like keeps evolving, and that's what I love about what I do. Like you know, it changes with the wind, like my ideas. <laughs> What, Zoe, what I find, um, being serious for a minute, really, uh, that, that I've picked up on over the last few minutes, you're hugely creative. We can see that and we can hear that from the stories. But clearly you have the ability to monetize that creativity. You have that sales brain, that ability to say, OK, we can do this creatively, but we can monetize this or we can take this to the public or we can keep the business going by turning this into a revenue stream. And I, I don't think a lot of people who are in that creative sphere, I most certainly am not, we are, Harry and I, very much 
uncreative and on the sales side. So it, you tend to... Feel free to talk for me at this moment. Absolutely, I'm with you. 100%, 100%. So people tend to fall into one or two camps in my experience. Yeah. You're either creative or you're salesy. We're salesy, not creative. But you seem to be able to do both. What, how, do, how, do you, how do you manage that? I think firstly, running pubs in the middle of Shropshire during a fuel crisis, foot and mouth and floods. I think that helps you um, think on your feet. We didn't have social media back then, so we would try. We would always try and think of stories to get in the newspaper, in the Shropshire Star, right, to get people to come to the pub. And that training literally has come to its own now. Secondly, I realised not that long ago that it actually isn't normal for being creative and trying to make money. So I, that's why I've started not just sharing how I make things, but I've started up, um, it's called Making a Business, and they're workshops in-house here. And the first one was a few weeks ago. And it's basically focused around socials and how hobbyists, you know, they, they want to turn their hobby that they've fired up during lockdown into a business, but they just don't know how to do the next step or get involved with socials. I'm not scared of trying things and failing. And that's the only difference is just trying to teach people just not to care what other people think, because that's what stops you. I've got probably 20 things on the floor that I've started and will never finish. And one thing comes through as an amazing thing. But people think that everything I do is amazing. The money I've wasted trying to get there is, but you shouldn't stop. Like you don't know when it's going to be handy again. So yeah, going back, because I will shoot off in loads of directions. Going back to, um, yeah, being creative and making money. It's, it is a, yeah, it's a balancing act, but it can be done. So my socials workshop was basically focused on just showing people how to use their social media to build their brand. But I'm going to do others to help people bring out because it's just it's really annoying to stop just because you think you don't know, because I've done it before myself. And it is really simple once you just get shown, like basically. Did anybody teach you social media? Because Instagram, you're—I mean, you are. I could be so much better at it. <laughs> but yourself, are you self-taught? Yeah, because I had to make muck and brass work. Like at the beginning of muck and brass, Instagram had only just come out, so it was very basic. But I did know back then, and I knew to keep working at it that it would come into its own. I mean, like I said just now, I could be much better at it, but um, it's good for me. It works. I don't have to. That's why I think a lot of people fail before they even started because they're put off because they think they've got to have loads of followers and sell loads of stuff. And I know how much money I need to take. And once I've taken it, I'm quite happy to take the rest of the week off. Like I'm at that. So I don't I mean, I'm at that age. I'd rather be with the grandkids than, you know, working seven days a week. So you just know, need to know where you want to be and just work to that and stop pressurizing yourself because someone down the road has got half a million followers and. I think you just, yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to sell stuff because you've got half a million followers. You, well, you've got 100,000 people who follow you who think you're doing all right, eh? Yeah, I've got super, <laughs> I've got super fans. Super fans. Super fans. I think 100,000 100, mm. people who are looking at yeah, your stuff. Yeah, but people want more than that. I don't care about how many followers I've got. I've got the most amazing customers. Exactly. That's what I mean. If a thousand yeah. of them are buying off you every year, you're doing well, aren't you? That's, exactly. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's your conversion rate. And people love what love what you do. As an aside, you just mentioned grandkids. Simon, as an aside, how cool would it be if you were a grandchild to hang out in that studio? 
with all that going on. <laughs> oh, I honestly, mean, Ted, they love that it. That is here. just the best fun ever. I'm slightly obsessed with over your right shoulder, Zoe. You've got a picture with the minions in. Yeah. Is that right? I, that is amazing. I want that. How much is that? Do you know what? I don't. I'll have to look at the website. I can never remember. <laughs> um, go on. Give me a price now. Look, I'll buy it. They I like are it. so that is cool. Amazing. I love the minions. I love the minions. I like that. that is brilliant. I, 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 prefer, I have to say, I do like a minion, but I like the I ones love with the dolls. But I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Did you, and you, did you did you make that one, Zoe? I did, I do. So let me tell you how the amnesty works. So a few years ago, I started making kitsch wreaths out of old toys at Christmas, um, and it was really popular. I was selling the made wreaths, like all pre-made. Then it was getting ridiculous. Like I, I sold so many, I couldn't be bothered to make them anymore. And that happens. Like you just like get. I do. I get to the point like I can't. I can't do anymore. And I actually put the price up to calm the sales, but they didn't. Everyone wanted them. So I thought, right, I'm going to have to rethink this. I'm going to make the kits. I'm going to make the kits up. So you buy the box, it's everything inside, bags of toys and all the haberdashery. And that went crazy. So then I thought, right, I'll do in-house workshops as well and make the most of it. And so to get enough toys, I started an amnesty. So basically you send them in. Um, I give you a voucher a voucher code that you can either save up or spend in like straight away. And I pay your postage as well. So it sort of escalated after that. I thought I got so many good toys. Like I'm going to, well, actually, no, that's not what happened. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. I got into the art. I've completely forgot. I wiped it from my brain a bit because it, it was a really, it was a really shitty, it was a really shitty moment. Basically I was asked from a really fancy hotel in Holborn to go and visit. Well, firstly, they came to visit me and they loved it. And then they asked me to go to the hotel, spent the afternoon there going through the whole hotel about the stuff they wanted made. And they wanted something for the wall on their rooftop bar, specific size. And I I was like, okay, I've got an idea. I'm going to go away and work on it. I'll come back to you. They ghosted me. Right. And I'm still bitter I'm not busy because I didn't care about the job, but I just think that is a right. It's un. It's not fair. It's just not cool, is it? Do you want to name and shame the hotel? Name and shame, if yeah, you like. What? Go for it. <laughs> what is it? There? Oh, can't even remember. It's in Holborn. It's fancy. We can't do all the hotels in Hoban. We're going to get in all sorts of troubles. We, we will get sued a lot if we name every hotel in Hoban. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, I don't care if they didn't want to go with it. I just thought just no communication was really bad because I that was like two days of my time for free for like not doing anything. Anyway, what did happen, and this happens to me a lot, I often have these little fails and something amazing happens from it. So before they ghosted me, I made came back and made my first bit of toy art, basically. And it was the best one I ever made. And I'm absolutely gutted to this day that I sold it. Anyway, I made this toy art and... What was it? It was just my first massive piece of toy. It's a bit like that, but with lots of different toys. It was massive. Oh, okay. yeah. Pink gilded frame. Stunning. Uh, it's in a beauty salon in Worcester. And yeah, I'm gutted I sold it. Anyway, but from that, I was like, oh my God, this, this is amazing. I'm going to put it on the website. Oh, everyone went crazy. Like everyone wanted one and I could not make enough. And I was making different sizes, different colors. And that's where I'm still here now. Everyone wants toy art. Um, I do it for people that 
I've done a beautiful one for a lady whose daughter died of cancer and kept all her toys, you know, like really touching stuff. Like, yeah, if you want to keep things that you don't want to chuck away, it's nice to have it on a piece of art rather than a box that you don't look at. So, yeah, and I just love it. And it came from that situation. Those horrible, nasty gits who mucked you about are the literally were the catalyst for all this toy art. I bet exactly. they feel a bit stupid now. I bet they feel yeah. a bit <laughs> They could have had the first piece. They could. Yeah, so they. I've got a lot to thank them for in that respect, to be honest, because, yeah, yeah the toys. So then I was like running the toy amnesty all year so I could get enough toys, and I'm still doing it now. But now it's progressed, so people send haberdashery, Christmas decorations. Um, I get random stuff. People send me random stuff, and I don't know who it's from. Like, they forget to put their name inside. And I had the other day, I had... Some clothes, and oh, I don't know if oh, they'd oh, sent me oh, the wrong so stuff. Glad, I'm so glad the conversation <laughs> went that way. No, I, I felt this going a terrible Ooh. direction for a second. Yeah. I can actually hear, I can actually hear David's heart constricting. Our producer <laughs> in the background going, "What's she gonna say?" So clothes, yes, right, yeah, lovely. Clothes. Um, and yeah, they just send me amazing things. Um, yeah, so it's lovely. I I am feeling like the most uncreative individual on the planet right now i can't tell you i really it's an absolute disaster from our perspective isn't it (laughs) because we've got got a creative bone in our body but we think what you do is so cool and um i'm i'm i mean i am fascinated because you don't bang on about the green side of your business and all the rest of it but you are one of the best reusers and upcyclers out there by default yeah it's funny isn't it because i I mean i've i'm not greenwashing right I don't pretend like I'm in this business to save the planet obviously my way of thinking and shopping has massively changed since I started my whole house was Ikea when we started muck and brass Uh oh here we go horrific right but I thought it was amazing like I did like that was the only stuff you could get that was trendy but affordable now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we didn't have any good, decent, solid wood, mid-century furniture, this, that. Do you know what I mean? Like my whole world has that, changed. That's like, what our career is based on, by the way, the mid-century. Oh, is it? Yes. Well, because we're auctioneers, so we sell, that's what we sell all the time. But yeah, so that's our lives. And and it's still going to go forever. You know, yeah. that furniture. Like when I bought our first uh, G-Plan sideboard, you know, the big ones with the tops on. and Oh, yeah. And we were buying them with the tops on, taking them off, taking the base off, putting legs on. And my mum came in and was like, oh, my God, I couldn't wait to get rid of that. Like she <laughs> had, like, because everyone back in the 60s and her 70s, like, aspired to have G-Plan. And then she spent years trying to get rid of it so she could have a Welsh dresser. I mean, the thought, <laughs> right? <laughs> But it's the same as us. Like, we we didn't go for mid-century. We went for Ikea. I mean, now the thought of it. Zoe, you're not helping us out here. We get into a lot of trouble because we slag Ikea off quite a bit. Oh. And, we, and we keep getting <laughs> told off for Sorry. giving... Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, like, we're laughing because one day we're just... Uh, <laughs> we're about eight emails away from a major lawsuit, we reckon. <laughs> Do you mind me putting you on the spot here for a second, Zoe? No, go. Do you mind? So... Harry and I, um, together, we have two auction houses, as you know, one in Windsor, one in Devon. And every single month, our auction houses are packed with solid oak, um, pine furniture. And it is a struggle to sell because there aren't enough creative people like yourselves 
repurposing, understanding how to reuse, understanding how to upcycle. The only thing we ever hear about, and as we know, we're not creative, you know, is the old chalk paint. Well, that's been and gone and all the rest Ooh. of it. So, yeah, ugh, exactly. So, Zoe, I'm going to put you on the spot. We've yeah. got all of this furniture at no, no money, no money. So imagine you can buy a solid oak, solid table for 40, 50 quid. Chairs, etc., sideboards, whatever. What can people do with them to be cool and trendy right now? Well, do you know what? Dining room tables are a really good one. I did one a few years ago and I keep wanting to do another one, but I just haven't had the room lately. But if you wanted to have a really cool dining room table without having to really paint it, I would buy um, get a vinyl for the top. So there's a lot of companies that sell m- most amazing um, designer vinyls. Uh, Faye Jennifer's one she does actually she does sell my designs as well on her website. She'll print a size to fit your dining room table. Easy to put on. You can either leave it like that because her vinyls are so strong. Like she's got floor vinyl, standard vinyl, window vinyls. But I did one for a customer and they just purchased the glass top to fit on the table. Right. Genius idea. That's where the paint money went. Instead of painting it, vinyl and a glass top. And it was chef's kiss. Really easy and just like effective. So that's one thing. That's a genius idea. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. You can tell it you can tell it's a genius idea because we both stopped talking. We're both going (laughs) Hang on a minute. You can do that yourselves. (laughs) No, Zoe, that's very sweet of you to suggest. No, 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 no. No chance. We are we are both scribbling notes going, where do we get vinyl into the auction house they can buy on the way out with their new purchase yeah. of furniture for oh the auction? Oh, my God. Maybe I need to come. Where's the nearest? Windsor. I need to see these. I'd yeah. like to come and have a look. I could come and do a YouTube video of how to do it at your place. That would be cool. So if you think about it, we clear a house every day. <gasps> Every, every day. How every single oh day. Oh my God. Well, I need to come. Please let me. Can you invite me? You're invited. You're invited always. But can you imagine the volume of furniture that we're trying not to throw away? I know. It's so tough out there. It's so tough. Because what I've found really irritating of late is, for instance, and they're pretty much all the same, but the chain charity shops like the Heart Foundation, they have standards of furniture they take in they're and it's getting picky. silly. It's getting really silly. Yeah. So, you know, there's a charity shop locally here. If there's a button missing off a really beautiful coat, they chuck it away. And it's just like, they they do send it to recycling places, but they don't recycle properly. So it's it's a massive problem. I wish there was a way, I'm always trying to think of a way that we could have a central hub where all of that goes and just somehow break it down, use it for other things. Because there is, there's a massive gap between a charity shop and landfill, there's is so much still getting chucked away. It's not being used enough, along with clothes. There's just so much waste. Um, and like I say, I'm not saying that I'm in this business to save the planet, but I just feel there's, as a business, it's incredible what you can have as a business using stuff that's already there that's being chucked away. It goes back to what you said. When you were having a tough time financially, you took an unwanted item and made profit out of it and it kickstarted this whole amazing business that you've got going on. It's just, I find it fascinating. I really well, do. I saw something really cool the other day. A kid on YouTube, he was doing clips on, I found him on TikTok, basically making a thousand pound a week, selling stuff that's going for free on Facebook Marketplace. But he doesn't even collect it or get it off him. He says to them, right, I'll find you a buyer. I'll take this much off you. 
he finds someone who wants it and puts them together. I mean, it's just genius. He's <laughs> like the Uber of the secondhand furniture. He doesn't do it. He doesn't need like, do you know what I mean? It's just genius. For any kid who wants to earn money, selling something that's on Facebook Marketplace for free because they just want to get rid of it. He finds the buyer. He gets the money and the person who's trying to get rid of it gets it taken away. Genius. Anyway, anyone listening? For those two listeners we've got now, there's a little Well, side one of them's in the room you. with you. <laughs> that's a side we've, hustle for you. We've, we've got a second listener. He's, he's, he, by default, he's just sat there gluing minions or something. <laughs> but isn't this, Zoe, don't, don't you think this is slightly the frustration? I don't know whether it's possibly post-COVID or not, but we sit at our auction houses and we have got tons of stuff. We've got furniture, we've got artwork, we've got, you know, we, we used to do the whole thing, oh, we'll take all of those prints because somebody will buy them for the frames. You know, there was expressions like that in the auction business. Oh, we'll take those because somebody will repurpose. That isn't the case anymore. And so we need more people like you, Zoe, who are not only doing what you do, but also teaching other people to think laterally, to think creatively, to think, actually, I don't need to spend £600 at Ikea. I could actually spend £40 at my local charity or auction house and I could create something that is totally unique, totally sustainable um, and completely original. And, and we need you pushing that message. That's why. That's Do you know what? And you're right. Uh, only this summer, right? This, uh, well, actually, it was just in May. I was highlighted of actually what people don't know and what I what I should share more. So basically I was working in Spain or delivering something in Spain and I needed to post something on my social media because I have to do it. I have to show up every day. And a week before I'd visited my favorite charity shop in the whole of the UK, which, well, it's my second favorite. Uh, it's the Emmaus charity shop in Cambridge. And it's like their, it's like a day out. It's huge. They also, they employ the homeless guys there, the companions, they call them, they live there. And it's just an amazing charity in itself. But I videoed going there, shopping, what I bought, how much it was, blah, 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 posted it. And then I went off and did something, came back and I said to my son, oh my God, it's had a million views in half an hour. Like it's going crazy. <laughs> By the end of the day, it had quite a lot of views and I didn't think anything of it. Apart from that, it was amazing. Anyway, then I found out what had happened at the charity shop. So I posted it on Friday. That Saturday and Sunday, they had to get the police involved. They blocked the A12. People couldn't turn in. People, so many people turned up the whole weekend. They sold out of everything. There was nothing left. I was starting to have people messaging me saying, I've just been there. They haven't got anything for sale. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, I didn't know this was going to happen. Like, wow. you know, give it a minute. It went crazy. They took more money that Saturday than they had all month in any other month ever. Like it was insane. And I was like, oh my God, why, why are suddenly people like, they had to go to this charity shop. But I think what it was, people, I forget what I do is, it's just normal to me. I forget to share a lot. So when I just posted that, that was my first shopping trip, full shopping trip. It was a good six minutes long. People want to see the ins and outs. They want to see what I didn't buy, what I did buy and the where to park and all the rest of it. And that's when I realized, oh my God, I need to share all these fabulous places that I shop. So I did another one and the same thing happened and they were in Norfolk. And it went crazy there. 
And so people are desperate to find these places to shop and buy the stuff. So I'm definitely going to come to the Winds one. Where in Devon is, I don't know. I was only down there the other day. I should have gone. But I would need to do a video to highlight because people just don't know. So we don't take this wrong way. If you're selling out auctions, Simon will send a car and bring you down there immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I'll drive you myself, so I'll come and get you. One of us will chauffeur you around with that sort of attendance. (laughs) I want my own gavel, please. (laughs) You'll have your own gavel. Don't you all have your own gavel? I want a bit like a Timmy Mallet one, please. Yeah, and I just thought, wow, people do want to do this. They just don't know where. That's why I've been sharing more for free. I, I do sell stuff as well, and I do YouTube videos that are free, and I also sell courses, fully in-depth courses, because obviously they cost money to make, and they're more in-depth, and, and I still have to earn a living. Um, and I tell my followers that if you you know subscribe to my channel on YouTube – it's totally free for them, but the more they watch and the more they get involved, I get paid. So that's the, how I earn a living. All they have to do is subscribe. Okay. So everyone's a winner and they get shown absolutely everything. I get them discounts. I show them the best places. So yeah, people want to know about your sort of place, but no, how do you tell people? Have you got an Instagram for it? Because I've not seen it. Uh, we do, we do do a bit of social. Nowhere near as prolific as you. I think the, the issue auction houses have, which is why we started this pod a year ago, and about the industry as a whole. So we we don't just promote our own business. We're talking about auctions across the nation in general. Yeah, because it's a you know we are quite green, and it is a really good way of selling and upcycling and reusing and all the rest of it and we Simon and I are very lucky we've met some fascinating people including yourself by doing this that we wouldn't necessarily have met and people buy from us but we never talk to them you know they quite often buy online it's a sort of a you know a courier picks it up all that sort of stuff so we've met loads of interesting folk doing this but we are just trying to get and this is just one we're just one little tiny cog in the industry and we're just trying to put it out there and say come you know come and Come and try auctions. They're not scary anymore. You know, we're a couple of Herberts that sit next to each other on a rostrum, banging a gavel. We talk like this while we're auctioneering. So it's really not pressure. We know we're not funny, although we like to think we are. You know, all that (laughs) nonsense. And we just try and make it a bit fun. And we sell very expensive things. And we also spend lots of, sell lots of not inexpensive things. It's just the nature of what we do. So I got put off auctions um, a few years ago. So I used to go to the Tuesday night one in Bridge North from about 1999 <laughs> to 2006. I loved it on Tuesday night because it sold all sorts of tooth and great stuff and not great. It was great. You go there on a Tuesday between, I think it was one and four to have a little nose and then you go back at seven. Loved it. And there was just, there wasn't any snobbery in that one. Like, but... After I moved from there, I did not find anything in the South like it. That it was a totally different vibe of auctioneers here. And that's, and that's, people are catching up with what you just said. So the snobbery is going, and there are enough provincial auction houses like us who are a bit more sort of, you know, we're a bit more in touch with people. And we carried on during COVID. So that also was. Also, people want to bargain. When you suddenly go to one that's a bit snobbery, you know, because it's not my thing. Well, it wasn't when I came here. I couldn't find an auction place that was, you know, I want next to nothing. I want that bargain. I will, Although I will pay for something that I saw and loved. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I couldn't find that here. Whereas in Bridge North, you could get a lawnmower for a pound and then something very expensive. Like there was such a mix. It was a buzz. 
Yeah. I would go there not knowing if I wanted anything, but come away with loads. I mean, me and my husband went to a car auction once, got too excited and came back with two cars and we didn't need them. But, it, you know, <laughs> that's what a good auctioneer is. You end up Absolutely. buying stuff you don't yeah. need and it's just the fun, isn't it? It's like, it's a buzz. Well, and our view, Zoe, is that the auction experience should be a fun experience, should be an exciting experience. And therefore, when you buy that item that may be after watching one of your, uh, you know, one of your sessions, they know how to uh, upcycle it. That yeah. actually the auction bit was fun. We won it, which was fun, which was exhilarating. We then learned how to upcycle and recycle from Zoe. We then created this beautiful piece that we then go on to love. And that's a that's a whole process. And we're at the beginning of that and you're the creative part of that. And that benefits everybody. And, and that's if we could get that message it, out there. Simon, yeah. You, do you know what? That is that is exactly it. It should be a whole experience. Like yeah. sod going for a drink in a pub. I'd pick an auction house or a charity shop any day. Right, wherever I travel, I try and go in a charity shop because it's the buzz of buying, but the buzz of doing it up. Sometimes I do myself dirty, buy the wrong thing, it doesn't work out. It's an absolute waste of money. But again, that's all part of it as well. Do you know what I mean? And you've just got to be prepared to get. Pr- well, you don't get stitched up. You stitch yourself up at an auction. You don't know when to stop. You get excited, but you know, again, you have to learn to be fun with it. It's got to be fun. But how much more like living is that than click, add to basket, oh. click, make payment, wait for it to be delivered? What's the fun? Where's the joy? Where's the exactly, excitement in that? Sorry. Exactly. And do you know what? I'm actually going to come to the auction house. I'm going to bring my son to film it. I am going to buy some. I'm going to do it up and just get in that vibe again because like, it's been so long since I've been to an Love auction it. house. Yeah. This, this we need to see. And I want a price on the minions behind you. All right, I'll do that. Instead. I have to get Mike to look on the website in a second. Mike, um, Mike, not, hang I don't on, even know if it's sold. Poor, poor, poor old Michael. He's, but I want, a, I want a four foot pink gorilla with a chandelier head. That's the one <laughs> thing I want in my life. And you should have one. You need one. I tell you what, I've never seen such a dreary backdrop in my life. <laughs> I, it looks like you're doing one of those gaming things. You know, you're a gamer. Zoe, my house is falling down. I'm in the part of my house that's literally going down a hole. Does it have to be grey, though? Well, I, I'm, bit, I'm miserable and I won't touch it until You're an auctioneer. I bet you it. get some real cool stuff coming through. I don't Harry, know. don't try and defend yourself against Zoe here. My house, I, is, a, my house so- is a tip. <laughs> but my wife watches the social, so I'm in all sorts of trouble. I'm trying to make my big fat head fill the whole page Do you- now. Do you know what I'd like to see? That is something different in the back, random, each podcast. Something really bizarre and random that came through the auction house in the background. Zoe, I don't know how to break this to you. I scuttled through the door five minutes before this started, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Having been wandering around a house in Langley going, yeah, we can collect all this. um, But yeah, I'm looking at December now. Do you want it out before Christmas? Do auctioneers all do house clearances? Is that what it is? No. I didn't know that you did the house clearances. That match was such a buzz. I'm speaking for Simon and I. I think one of our USPs, in, because we own the two auction houses together, uh, is that we have our own in-house clearance crews. Yeah. Oh, buzz. So that, Honestly, that's got to be the dream. So we... Uh, and, and the beauty of that is, is I have to be careful how we say this, Everything we bring to market is fresh to market, as it were. Oh, it's not been yeah. round the. It's not been round the fairs. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> that is a response I haven't had for a very long time, Zoe. So yeah. thank you very much. 
And, and David, I, and David, I'm telling you now, Big D, do not clip that up for the if socials. You edit, if you edit if you, that out, David, I'm warning you now, don't do it. Yep, you're really doing it for me. If there's any chance you can get that as my ringtone, David, that'd be great. <laughs> Zoe, Zoe, I have to ask you one thing. I have to ask you one thing because it's on my notes. And David, because David okay. is the one who follows you, our producer. So he's the one who was following you first and said, you've got to interview this lady. Please interview this lady. Right. So <laughs> yeah. you did a TV show with CBeebies. Yes. Right. Okay. And who was on that with you? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Should I tell you how I got it first? Why yeah, I did yeah. it? Yeah. Torture Simon so, a bit more. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Simon yeah. would want to know this. <laughs> Basically, I got asked to do TV shows a lot before that. And I did a, a show reel and I decided not to do it because even back then, oh God, how many years ago that was? But it was a lot of you were showing them how to do stuff and you're giving away your ideas. And at the time it was, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't worth the balance of not working to film and what I'd get back of it didn't seem to add up to me. Anyway, did the show reel. They loved it. A producer from that show that I didn't want to do then contacted me and said I've got something a bit left field um I've been asked to produce a tv show for kids it's about like upcycling you don't have to look at camera blah 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 think it'd be perfect for you and I was like me and Mike spoke about it and I was he was like you know every kid remembers that tv show as, as a kid like it'd be a really cool thing to do kids tv's great you haven't got to worry about giving your ideas away and it's just nice isn't it like having a kid be working on a kid's TV show and the money was good because it was network. It's got its own channel. So it's always better. So remember that song, if you ever get off it, although you'll accept a fiver. Um, to, be, to be honest with you, a man in the street with a camcorder, I'm in. I don't know what's happening, but I'm in. <laughs> I love the fact that Zoe knows you so well. Yeah, but you'd do it for a fiver, yeah, wouldn't you? you do it for a fiver, Simon, you yeah. vain auctioneer. <laughs> So um, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I went away to Scotland for a month to film. We did four series in the end. Um, and that's then I got that. That was my first TV show, basically. And then, but because I'd filmed the next TV show, which was Flipping Profit, I don't know if you saw that for BBC, They one that one came out before CBeebies, but CBeebies was my, actually my first TV show. Um, so yeah, working with Danny Sebastian. Who we've interviewed. The best yeah. best auctioneer ever. Oh, okay. Right. Let's go with let's go with that. If you say so, you, what, you, you left that till the end, didn't you? Because otherwise <laughs> yeah. oh, this would have been a short episode. He's, he's a, honestly he was great to work with on the TV show. I did I, What I'm loving about this interview is I've just got kicked in the head. Best auctioneer, <laughs> Danny. Do you know when he did his first ever The TV show? And he did it, and he did it in his house, didn't he? That's and it. he couldn't find where every lot was. We teased him about it when we interviewed him, <laughs> but he was very, very interesting because he's he doing, is interesting. Bar doing bargain hunt, and he was fascinating. Although he did also slag off auctioneers during the thing. No. He goes, I don't, I don't, I don't really use auction houses. We were like, great, <laughs> lovely, thanks, Danny. Well, it's all right. We're, we're, don't worry, Simon. We're ending the interview now, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Oh, it's gone well. I can gone feel well. it. Yeah. It's, it's gone great, hasn't it? Lovely. Oh. We're ending on a real high. <laughs> we started told, so strong. She so right? so told you you'll work for a fiver, and me, I'm a terrible auctioneer. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm having the time of my life now. Christ. 
Uh, Zoe, on a more serious note, um, thank you a lot. No, thank you. No, thank you so much for um, joining us. And we do hope you'll come and see us at oh, either de- of our I, auction I am. houses. It's not a, not a promise, it's a threat. I no, am no, coming. we look forward to it. It's an open invitation um, and we will really like to see that. Uh, Simon has um, is now, I know what I've got to get Simon for uh, Christmas uh, or his birthday. It's a Minions um, painting. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> I will message that. you in a bit. I've got yeah, a, a series. <laughs> never miss a sale, Zoe. Never and miss a sale. And, and Zoe's, Zoe's already messaged me to go, here's the price for your pink gorilla for Harry for Christmas. That's the that's the bit when I just fell off my chair and got back on. But yeah, what I'm like, don't worry, Simon, Harry. It's all yeah. yours. Simon, what, what, what I'm liking about this most is that I've gone really big as usual and you've yeah. gone quite, you know, averagely sized. I've gone four foot pink glittery gorilla and you've gone, oh, I have that really nice framed minion thing. Yeah. Charge, him, charge him the earth, Zoe. He's, you're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've had a ball this afternoon. Actually, I wish it was just weekly. Oh, don't, Zoe! Like, Zoe, don't yeah. worry. Once this goes out, we will be told by our listener to have you back. We can't wait. <laughs> they were like, "I'll get her off." There's no, not, not at yeah, all. I'm not really there. Not your usual vibe, guys. Are you listening? I know that, but bear with this. Like, bear with it. We're with it till the end. You are our vibe one hundred percent, Zoe. Don't you worry about that. You are our vibe one hundred percent, Zoe. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you on. I only wish we had more time, and therefore, I think you're absolutely right. We will have to get you back on the pod soon, 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 and we would love that if you can make that time. Absolutely. I'm having my house redecorated. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, Cheers, see you Zoe. later, guys. It's been great. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Zoe. How much fun was that? I'm still reeling because my house has been trashed. Your career. My career is over. (laughs) I feel like the most unbelievable unachiever, both creatively, both in the arts, on the TV. I mean... We, I mean, we've been outshone in every single department, but my word, don't we love Zoe? I mean, I think she's amazing. Plus, you thought you were cheap. <laughs> that was she's right. <laughs> uh, and do you know what? I mean, considering it was, what, 40 minutes of chat, within 30 minutes, she got me as cheap. You'll do that for a fiver. And she's spot on, as usual, which is really annoying. But there you go. That, oh. was, uh, that was fantastic. And I tell you what, If ever you wanted to look at somebody and say, you know, when times are hard, when times are down, how do I take what little I've got in front of me and turn it into something good and turn it into something real and monetize it and enjoy it? Even when you're down to your last pennies, people, even when you're down to your bootstraps, Zoe will tell you how to pick yourself up use what's around you, make some money, and in her experience, grow a magnificent business out of it. And it's not a sob story. She just simply did it. Well, I'm inspired, Harry. Totally inspired. I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done. I know that producer uh, Dave is going to say that. It was just, I mean, other than the fact she got the measure of us in about five minutes, which it, which always helps, it was just... I. I think it's I think it's great that they work as a team, which we obviously like because we both work with our partners. Um, so it's a husband; they're a husband and wife team, and he's he's just you know kicked in and is working full time there as well now, having retired from uh, the other business. But 
they were just in, they were inspirational. You don't we don't we interview lots of people and they're all great fun and we, we but and she wasn't embarrassed about where she'd been or how one thing had led to another or the little fails. I love the fact she talked about that little, little fail, fails. This, love li- that. little fails, a little fail. But from that little fail came a job with Sick Beebies for a series of this, or <laughs> we started doing that, or I started making doll art, or, you know, I'm going to send Harry a four-foot gorilla, which I'm really looking I, forward I, to. <laughs> I want my Minions picture. I can't wait for that. i tell you what, I think in our industry, that lady is inspirational. She is literally making something out of nothing, people, but what she's making is a successful business. And that takes some doing. What a great team. The pair of them, hats off to them. That's what our industry needs more of. Auction houses would be fuller and busier if people understood how to be creative, make money, make things for themselves, save themselves money, uh, just like Zoe is doing and advocating in everything she does in her business. Hats off to her legend well you can tell uh that we were having a great time uh, recording that episode because uh simon and i we forgot to plug zoe's show yeah make it at market returns on bbc one at 4 30 p.m on the 27th of uh, november following on from her theme of sharing her expertise it's all about mentoring artisans and helping them establish their new businesses and zoe is one of those experts and as you can tell it's going to be a show well worth watching because she's really into it and really into uh, making sure people know what's what. Love that. All the links to everything she gets up to, so her socials, YouTube channel, etc., will be in the programme notes. And I strongly recommend, I mean, as we make reference to in the pod, you will get properly lost in her content. It is it is really, it's good fun apart from everything else. It's really good fun. And also do, um, if you've enjoyed this episode, like, subscribe, recommend it to a friend. Off air, Zoe is determined to make this the most listened to episode. We'll be reporting back on that, let me tell you. <laughs> if anyone can do it, Zoe can. <laughs> right, Simon. See you later, mate. Take care, buddy. Cheers, pal. <laughs>